here we are, bottom of the Smash Mountain. And I would like to thank my supporters over at patreon.com slash bsmpod for your two continuing to support me in what I'm doing. For all the lovely listeners and viewers, of course, you're already here, but just for future reference, there are some people who may or may not know that you can watch these episodes on Spotify instead of just listening on Spotify. You can listen on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. You can listen on Amazon Music and Audible. There's all kinds of places where you can find this podcast, but where else are you going to go to find the Smash World Tour points leader tied with Zane, but hey, it's A, trickle down all the way to Z, you know what I'm saying? Like A gets listed first. This is Amita, who is currently tied with Zane as the current leader at the top of the Smash World Tour points with 800 points courtesy, or I should say, because of winning Ultra Hard, a tournament that actually happened right about a month ago now, because that was the first weekend of April. So congratulations to that, Amita, and thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Thank you. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Yeah, so I wanted to, of course, ask you about this tournament and talk about how you got into Melee, things that you enjoy so much about playing the game, stories and stories. But first of all, if as much as you feel comfortable sharing, we had just a little bit of an adventure for, for you leading up to actually getting to the recording here. You had to really get through all the, all the shenanigans. So as much as you feel comfortable, how did, how did you get, how did we get to here? Yeah, so I mean, I don't, no, it seems like you've kind of researched like the tournaments that I've been to and everything. But I live in Peru, and I don't like speak a whole lot of Spanish. And I was kind of stuck in like this central part of the city in central Lima, and got some food poisoning. Couldn't really get back here um, until I've managed to find an ATM because there's not like here and where where I live. Like there's ATMs everywhere. But there, like, there's only, like, specific spots you can go to to find them. And we managed to find one and get a taxi back, and it, it worked out. But, yeah, it was uh, not an experience I'm used to because everything's, you know, foreign country. And then I don't usually get sick, so just a lot of different things. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you're giving me uh, – well – I appreciate you saying that I did my research. I like to say that I try to do as much little research as I can because I have over-researched guests for the podcast before where oh, they're talking oh. and I go, da, da, da. I like I finish their sentences because I'm so happy to tell them, <laughs> to show them yeah. I know who you are. I didn't just ask you on for no reason, right? But it really killed the vibe on the one interview yeah. I did. Because <laughs> they're like, will you just let me talk? <laughs> So yeah. I I I did not know that you're you're currently in Peru or just living in Peru. What's the uh, what's the living situation yeah. for you like right now? I I moved here with my girlfriend and I've been living here so first I came here for 2 months in July 2021 and then now I've been here since de December and actually have like a an actual apartment um here in Lima, Peru. Yeah. It's great. I love it. <laughs> that's super cool. So just that's why I, I was able to go. That's why you were able to go to Ultra Hard. So how far away? I mean, I know roughly where Brazil is. I I honestly am not a hundred percent sure of where Peru is off the top of my head. See, this is the American in me at work. I don't know my geography, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I had to go out of my way to like practice geography on some kind of online test. So yeah, I I'm I'm not a big fan of. In American education system. <laughs> GeoGuessr? Um, are you yeah, GeoGuessr? Um, it's 
Yeah. Uh, no, I haven't. I played that one time with my girlfriend for fun, and we did pretty good. Um, but because we did good because one was like in South America, and then the other one was in, literally in Kentucky, which is you know the state I'm from. So that I mean, but I mean, it, I, I I really like that. But no, but I went out of my way to especially with Europe, like memorize the countries. Um, I don't think I do too well now, but I got good enough to where I only struggled with the African countries and like the island countries um, as far as like being able to uh, name them off of a map, you know, as far as like seeing being inside the country, like with GeoGuessr, I, I haven't I've only played it once, so I don't know. But yeah, I really like things like that. Um, to answer your question, Peru is like um, south or sorry, northwest of South America. It's like right below Colombia, and Colombia is like the very top of South America, and then you have like Central America, you know. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, yeah, it's it's actually South America is very weird because when you you know you you see the traditional uh, what is the the marine map? I don't know the name of it. The 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 traditional map we look at, which is like they all their all because it's a, a flat map. Yes. And, you know, the Earth is a sphere. The portions the portions look really weird. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And they, and each map is going to have its like use for where it's accurate and where it's not accurate. And I think I think that's best for like the one we always look at is best for boat navigation. I don't know. But um, yeah, Peru and Brazil, especially these countries are actually way, way, way bigger than they seem. Like I know Peru is like the entire West Coast of the United States, plus, you know, pretty thick as well. And yeah, it's um, that's where it is, and and I love it here. So you 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 moved in there with your girlfriend back in this this at the end of the past year, and ever since you moved down there, it you can get by with the English that you speak, since uh, the the Spanish is is that the primary language that everybody's speaking down there? Because uh, for other countries in South America, and I I work with somebody who uh, spent time, grew up in Brazil, has Brazilian heritage, uh, speaks Portuguese. So uh, that's that's the question Please, I have: yes. is it Portuguese and Spanish, or just Spanish mainly for for Peru or where you are? So all uh, I mean, there's a lot of different languages, especially native languages, but in general. All the countries except for Brazil. I'm, maybe I'm wrong. I know. I know there's a French, a French. Is it France? I think there's a French colony in South America as well. So maybe they speak French. But in general, it's Spanish, and then Brazil is Portuguese, and then of course a lot of native languages too. But in general, it's yeah, it's Spanish for Peru, and then we just. I mean, we just went to Brazil, and my girlfriend also speaks Portuguese, so that was really convenient. That's really cool to be, uh, you know, just like your other your other half is sort of carrying hard here and there for you, and then you can carry hard in other yeah. areas. So that's cool. That's cool. No, you, you're you're doing work too, Amita. I'm not trying to discredit you or anything, but I, I'm curious about since you since you uh, born and raised in the United States, is that right? Yes. Right. So, how did you first get into melee? Because if you grow up in a place like Kentucky. I don't want to describe it as a place where nothing happens. I just liken it to it's just not New York City and you can have you can have things yeah. like the Nintendo GameCube go far and wide schools and everything everywhere else, but I'm just curious of like what your pers oh, and the internet. What was your personal introduction to the game? Yeah. 
Um, yeah, living in Kentucky, um, I feel like it's for the Midwest. Well, it's not. It's technically the the South, right? I don't know the exact name for that um, that part of the United States, but it's technically the South. Um, but we've always just associated with the Midwest, kind of like how Kentucky was split during the Civil War, where it was like you know South and North. Culturally, that's how it is. But I actually have always thought that Kentucky was kind of a good location because we can travel to Michigan for the majors that happen there. We can go to uh, Virginia and MDVA, and it's not that bad of a drive either. Uh, I've always thought it was kind of like the center, right? And I know that they actually once considered Kentucky to be the capital of the United States because it was the center at that time. Um, So I really like it for that. Um, and it's we can kind of all get to each other decently fast by car versus somewhere like Indiana, where like can be take hours to get to another part of Indiana. It's like the Midwest in the Midwest is the way I've always described it. Um, but there is some unique uh, obstacles within um, Kentucky that kind of makes it still a disadvantage. But how I got into melee personally was through bra. So my um, my brother and I always followed, you know, melee and and then eventually competitive brawl. And my grandfather would actually play with us, video games in general, and go to tournaments with us. His tag was ROF, something he came up with as retired old fart. <laughs> and it was just really fun to go to tournaments with him, brawl tournaments. Um, meet the the local community was a really big thing for me. First, it was when I was like. I guess back in like 2010, we went to like semi-casual brawl tournaments before like around 2012, we found like the real actual like local scene. Um, And I met someone named Mr. Eric, who's just fantastic person, got me into the scene. And we had this like, at the brawl locals, we had like this group of players, like just who loved Melee, and they would just play on the side at these brawl tournaments. Um, some of them play, still play to, uh, still play today. And one day, one tournament, like I just wanted to support them and a few of the, a few of the other brawl guys. And I would just enter just for fun. I played Jigglypuff because Jigglypuff played like a brawl character. Right. So I played Jigglypuff, just played casual. And then I was like beating some of them, um, just off my brawl fundamentals. Same thing with 64. Like I got like 17th. Or I don't know, was 17th or 25th at like one of the apexes, the 64, um, just off of brawl fundamentals. I played Kirby. <laughs> it just it just you know transferred really well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like winning a bunch of Midwest tournaments for 64 as well, just off of brawl fundamentals. It's really it's I I felt so silly for it, but um, yeah. Oh, and 64 is um, so fun though. I love 64 until you like play like the top like one percent then you just get destroyed. Like, I was, like, doing really well at all these majors and, like, winning, like, a decent amount of prize money off of, like, these Midwest tournaments. And then, like, Mariglas, I think is his name, from Mexico, is, like, five-stocked me at a a major. It's just, it's crazy. It's it's ridiculous. Yeah, you um, can eventually zero to death perfectly then you get to that level. And their spacing is so, like, that's the thing about, 64 is like the the neutral is extremely defensive because because the punish game is so strong and um you know there's less mix-ups in neutral as well it's just uh, everything's the the metagame is more i would say more simple but for me it's really fun i enjoy it a lot um 
but yeah, now all the like people in Indiana, they've gotten so they've gotten so good. They just they probably destroy me now. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's how I got into melee was actually through brawl, and um, uh, eventually I started liking the game more and more. And then Smash Four came out, and I hated it. Like I love brawl, I I can't stand Smash Four. <laughs> <laughs> I like Ultimate, I like all the games. Um, the only thing I really did with Smash 4 is like customs were kind of like semi-legal in some parts of the Midwest and there was a character called Me Brawler and you could change you could change like his weight and height. I don't know if you you have any experience yeah, with Smash 4. Yeah, I I twiddled around and with all the settings. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that, that character was unbelievably looking, probably the best in my opinion, the best Smash character to ever exist. Um, by far, Ooh. just ridiculously broken. Um, <laughs> had chain that didn't have chain grabs. Um, oh, and okay, yeah. I would go to like these like I want to. <laughs> I went to like these Indiana events that had a circuit, and I would pick this character, and I would win all the tournaments with this character, and I won the circuit. And like, <laughs> understandably, so people hated me for it <laughs> because, especially because like it wasn't like it was kind of I don't know it was it was weird because like I don't know a lot of people weren't sure if it was technically against the rules or not it was kind of arbitrary but i he was the only way i had fun with the game um it's because he's just he's like melee fox in smash 4 <laughs> yeah so one of the things that i didn't realize right away but i thought oh i feel even more sluggish than brawl which is weird because in brawl it's it feels so sluggish compared to melee in terms of the speed but one of the things that yeah. i picked up on after a while i was like wait a minute there's lag when you air dodge and land oh that's so Dumb. Yeah. I feel like being punished for like yeah. one of my few get out of jail free cards is ridiculous. And then <laughs> and then Smash Wars when they introduced ledge trumping, which I hate with a passion. I get it. Yeah, kind of. Too. You know what? I don't get it. It's dumb. We should be able to hog the ledge. You can have your, you know, extra fancy ledge hogging, uh, like, you know, little inner mechanic things. Because in Melee, you get 30 frames of invincibility no matter what. Yeah. Y yeah. That Okay. If you want to tweak around that. But I still think that if a character is holding a ledge, why would you? <laughs> I don't get it. Ugh, they should just be able to yeah. hog the ledge. <laughs> <laughs> I think they overcorrected. I think, like. PM is like a good example of what they could do. I think it's like you can re-grab the ledge five times before you lose your invincibility. Like it's just too strong in melee and all they had to do was just balance it. Yes, yes. But then also like the fact that you can just like in Smash 4 and Ultimate, you're holding the ledge and it's hard to edge guard in those two games because everybody's recoveries are a lot better and you're just holding the ledge, you're holding the ledge and all they have to do is grab yeah. it and you get you get just pushed off. I don't. I don't like that. I <laughs> yeah. just think you should be able to edge hog. Yeah, I, I mean, literally, my favorite part of Smash is edge guarding. Like, I actually, I mean, I it's just so fun to me, and so it, it ruins the experience for me. Um, yes, but you know, there's yeah, and, and Smash Four didn't have Snake, which is like one of the reasons I like those games. Um, but, but I, I'd say like the biggest thing for me with like Brawl and Smash Four is. What I what I feel like people don't understand about Brawl is there's two games where the the mechanics and the characters are just absolutely broken, and that's melee and brawl. So like the amount of like tech and like ways to like control your character and, and not necessarily like movement, like Brawl doesn't have like crazy the same level of movement tech as melee does. It does have a lot, but not to the same degree. But I'd say it's probably the second 
for as far as moving up tech, tech goes. But um, in general, I just think you have so many uh, options that it ends up taking, like say a character like Mennonite, which is, I guess, like an extreme example. But the advantage state in that game is so unbelievably strong that, you know, it kind of replaces the the combo game of melee. Now, I personally prefer, like, the combo game, game in melee to, like, Brawl's advantage state, but in general, like, um, Smash 4 just felt so uh, vanilla compared to Brawl and melee. And a lot of the combos... Oh, th this is kind of a, a rant I have, and I feel like a lot of... Um, um platformers platform fighters in general uh don't do this correctly um and that's one of the best parts of the melee is uh, um combo system works so well is um that you have a good di system and hit stun so it's not just about having hit stun it's about having um first like Um, and how the combo tree can go. So, like, you have strong SDI and DI usually on how these combo trees play out. While in Smash 4, can be down the road to up to you know Mario for example, on that look at and combos at all. So that just but melee. That's one of the things I love about it is that. It's not just about having uh, a combo game. It's about that these combos are always different. It's a sandbox. It's sandbox. That's why we see crazy things today, you know, years later. So there's a little bit yeah. of parts yeah. of it. I went on a rant there. No, and I'm feels bad because no, saying, part yeah. of it part of it got lost because you uh, lag spiked. But I understand what you were saying anyway. But for those of you who are newer yeah. to listen to Melee podcasts, think about all of the combos that you see in Melee, and you might be looking at it and going, "Not a lot that the person who's getting comboed can do defensively," and that's not true because of SDI, because of regular DI, and because of little things like edge cancel and. And, and 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 slide off DI, you can have all kinds of different ways to escape combos and to be able to be defensive. So while in 64, it may be tempting for you to sort of wait for your way for the person who's comboing you to finish their combo and then you get to come down from the angel platform and start again. Or, like you said, Mario in Smash 4, just up tilt, up tilt, up air, up air. There's not there's not really lots of things to do to get out of that. Or for Bayonetta with her special B moves comboing you off to the top of the, the, the blast zone. It, there's not really a whole lot you can do there. Meanwhile, a Falco who wants to truly pillar combo a Falcon or, an, or another Spacey properly on Final Destination or... And I, I don't really see a whole lot of Falco players do this, except for Mango against Marth. Especially, this is crazy. Especially against Zane's Marth, who has the craziest defensive uh, options and maneuvers. You could, you could, you have to do a lot of hard work to actually be able to continue your pillar combos as Falco on Final Destination against characters who it's possible to do it with. And it's beautiful. Melee is beautiful for that reason because when you're getting hit in other games. There's usually not a lot you can do. In Melee, it feels like you have the most options. In, in a game where most people assume that's where you have the least amount of options, and that's not true. So it creates more diversity in the combos when the combos are continued. 
which makes it like a sandbox and it's it's so cool yeah <laughs> exactly I, I don't want to y- yoink your rants from you, but I, I felt bad for all the viewers and listeners. They're going, I'm piecing it together. Hopefully, the smart ones, you know, <laughs> you know exactly what Amita was saying. <laughs> but just in case anybody's yeah, new. I, I, yeah, I, uh, I have a lot of uh, experience competing in all the different games. So it, it's so easy for me to rant in all different directions and connecting all the games. It's, it's kind of crazy <laughs> would you say that so i apologize no it's okay would you say that you you like the fact that you have been able to play so many different smash games and play them all fairly well winning tournaments in smash 64 winning tournaments in brawl and in smash 4 or not in smash- oh right sorry 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 you're talking about your your me fighter character winning tournaments <laughs> in smash 4 pissing off all of indiana <laughs> so you've done you've done it a lot of uh a lot of things successfully in a lot of different smash games so do you like that or do you sort of wish i could have maybe sooner committed to just melee or it sounds like you still like playing these other smash games even today by the way so i feel like i already know the answer i'm just curious yeah i i i love it um i mean you know, not just for the games themselves but for the community from each game i i mean i even like pm which i'm not a big i'm not a big fan of personally um just i've met so many cool people in tennessee i know like one time philadelphia like their pm scene came down to tennessee and they were unbelievably nice and i love them so it's just you know the 64 guys in indiana and in general it's just i i love all the communities from each game um and i wouldn't if i didn't play these games it would probably have made me worse at melee because i only i don't have like a good work ethic with smash and a lot of my experience comes from tournaments, so I can take the things I learned from these other games and apply it to the other games. Like how I said that I got good at 64 and Melee through Brawl Fundamentals, and then before I like actually focused on those games. Um, so a lot of these tournament experiences I'm having from uh, actually translate over into Melee and make me better at Melee, in my opinion. Um, yeah, because the work ethic has only been somewhat recent, actually. Shoutouts to Kadoran who put out a video after winning Smash Camp describing the experience and saying, I, I'm starting to truly understand there's a difference between playing melee well and competing well. Because for tournaments like Smash Camp or for Genesis or any of these other big majors, you'll have a situation or a scenario where you start playing melee at about 12 noon and then you have to play on and off on and off tournament competitive sets until like 10 30 at night you have to play for over 10 hours not straight but like at on and off on and off you, ha- you can't really quite switch off so there's a difference between playing melee well and then playing melee well competitively and to be able to actually do it on the spot regardless of how you're feeling in mentally or physically so do you feel like your competitive scale level where you maybe would have started off out of one when you first started do you feel like you've maxed that out or do you still feel like i could still be better as even a just as a competitor so there's there's one part of being a competitor i'm very bad at and one that i'm very good at for so like my tournament stand up stamina is extremely good i've gone to a lot of tournaments where i drive you know three hours to tennessee with no sleep. And so by the end of the tournament, I've been awake for 35 hours, you know, and I, and then I have to drive home three hours. Sometime one time it was like six hours because there was like a boulder that fell on the road or something. And I had to go around. It was on, on different roads. And it's just, and it was horrible, horrible experience, but 
during the tournament, I won't eat a lot of times. I, you know, I don't get much sleep before if I'm anxious about it. And it, my stamina is just really good. But I don't, I think there's players who just kind of have, hmm, like it's like a warrior spirit in them when they compete. Like they really want to win when they're playing. Like they, they want it more than the other person. Um, I don't have that so much like i don't like when i'm competing you know i can be i can be really angry like after i after i lose and i think that's good because it makes me think about the game and how to improve but in game i feel like i just don't have you know the um, that like warrior spirit aspect versus someone like reeve in, in kentucky is like that's he has that um but my yeah my stamina with melee is pretty good i think one of the biggest things at tournaments that's draining for me is you know a lot of people who know me like personally um and you know carp specifically locals in central kentucky and uh carpools is the person i am there is different from you know any other tournament where i just struggle a lot with like social anxiety like real like it's actually super bad so like i feel like i'm very cold when like people come up to me even i haven't seen them in a long time and you know i'm nice but it's just like i i'm not like completely myself because i'm just like so focused on the tournament and i'm anxious and it's just the that i don't do like super well in environments with like more than like three people that i'm comfortable with um so i'd say that's like the the hardest part for me when it comes to um competing in tournaments specifically so aside from the socializing thing, you were also talking about having the, the fire that says, I will not lose this game. It's Would you describe yeah. it as autopiloting that you feel like there's just times where you don't feel like you're actually engaging with the game as much as you should be, especially because it is a tournament set. You're thinking to yourself, wait a minute, I'm kind of, I'm kind of in friendlies mode right now. I should really, really yeah. like switch on tourney mode. Yeah, I, I don't know. You know, I, I don't know if I describe my problems is autopiloting i know that is a commonly common a common problem i would describe like my play sometimes as lazy so you know like for example if i've got it with puff i've got to recover in a certain way and if i do it right i'm not really going to be punished if i do it perfectly like i puff has that has those tools um but i've got to like do a jump forward air, jump, jump forward air, keep threatening with the forward air, go to ledge you know like kind of plank a little bit, make them give me some respect. And then I slowly get back on stage with those back airs. And then, you know, then I'm on, but it's like, it takes so long and then I'm called the camper for it. So it's like, there's the social aspect of it too. Um, you know, I'm just trying, and I just want, you know, to get some neutral back and it's very easy to just drift in and get up smashed or something, you know? Um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'd say some parts are very lazy or like maybe I'm not trying to be the most intelligent with like my neutral mix-ups and I'm just, you know, you know, it's kind of like that fiction. It was, a, I think it was a fiction tweet where he was like, okay, I've, I've played neutral for more than six seconds without any interactions. That's enough neutral. That's good neutral. I can go <laughs> run in with something random, you know, it's kind of like that, like lazy. Mm. Um, I feel like, you know, I have, I'm not like medicated and I, um, I have really bad ADHD. If, if you haven't been able to tell, you know, I kind of ran in different directions. And I, I think that definitely affects um, autopiloting. Um, but I, yeah, I just wouldn't know if I would call it 
autopiloting or just me being lazy with the game. But I definitely feel like I play less lazy in tournament, for sure, than in friendlies. Are you the best, most qualified person in the world to diagnose what happened with Hungerbox over over the whole pandemic situation? Number one player in the world in 2019, and even if you get second to Zane at Genesis 7 in the beginning of 2020, that's not a bad loss. Zane is an <laughs> up-and-coming, uh, about-to-be-crowned number one player. Even if Hungerbox could yep. hold off Zane for another year and looked like he could possibly do it. Zane was, we all knew Zane was going to be, be doing what he's Just doing me. now, winning, winning big tournaments all in a row. So do you feel like you're the most qualified person to say, I know what happens. I know what Hungrybox is thinking when he just drifts in and then gets hit with multiple peach fairs, multiple peach nares, yeah. and makes it look like an even matchup <laughs> against Polish <laughs> I, or Lod. I, I mean, there's a lot of different things you said that I've got a ton of opinions on, so I'll try to think of one to respond to. But um, for for what happened to Hungrybox in the pandemic, um, I I feel like he didn't have the same motivation, and so like that drifting in that you're talking about, like the lazy play, was just constant when he was playing online. Aside from not practicing and not trying to solve the game, and I don't even think at the time he had uh, crunch as a coach which yep. obviously Crunch has done insane for, has been insane for Hungrybox. Oh yeah. More, it's like Crunch and then he just, coach. he goes to number one, 2017. Yep. Exactly. Just unbelievable coach. Um, so he didn't have that. And obviously he had huge mentality problems in, in, in the pandemic. Um, I also, I think, I do think Puff gets a, a decent, it's, with Slippy, it's, it's, it's not so bad because Slippy's pretty good, but especially before Slippy, like I think, I think um, Puff gets the biggest nerf online. I think um, and this is like kind of the, the big thing when it comes to like discussing like the difficulty of characters is a lot of people talk about like characters, like how much tech skill they need to be, you know, tournament viable. Yes. And I feel like that's the easiest part of mainly personally, like because tech skill is something that you can just practice 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 alone um and with practice you know practice makes perfect it's 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 good you're good to go um but like neutral um i think spacing like having like like top level words of uh, top level spacing is like it's not something that you can so easily practice it's like a lot more arbitrary um and you know there's there is like some level of ghosting that you can practice alone where you can practice neutral like situations in your mind but in general you're going to get it from practicing against good players looking for specific situations and it's extremely complicated and i think these things are much harder than like tech skill and so puff which you know all characters need at, at high level need like good spacing but i think puff is this like this character that you know, weaves in and out, like you're poking the character. And if you don't do that correctly, then you can, you know, you can just explode. It's kind of like how you, the meme where people say Puff, you know, dies early because like they're like making fun of the fact that Hungerbox oftentimes doesn't die early. Um, and um, it's because once you get to this a certain level with that skill of spacing and, and you know, being safe, um, uh, Puff, actually can live a long time and it's really effective and i think that's one of the biggest differences between Hungerbox and other pups is a lot of pups uh at high level just get killed very fast often like often and Hungerbox is just not happening that often 
And um, when you, if you look at like, like the pandemic hunger box, he is dying like early a lot. Like he's just, he's just not doing the same level of spacing. Like I think if you look, there was, there's this summit set, the last summit before the pandemic, I don't remember which one it was. Eight, I don't uh, know. Smash he, summit nine. He played, was it nine? Yes. Oh my God. And that's the one he won, right? Yeah. That's over plop. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. That one, that one, that's the best hunger box has ever played. Like even, even today, I don't think he's on that level. Like if you watch his, especially his set with fiction, just unbelievable neutral. It's just uh, crazy. I mean, it's, it's obvious why he's like one of the smartest people, actual people in the community, but I think he's one of the smartest players because just looking at that play is unbelievable. And then you compare that to pandemic hunger box. It's just not the same. He's, you know, he's rushing in a lot more. His, his spacing is um, not on the same level. Um, he's dying a lot earlier and it's hard to see like notice that i think um in the in that's you're like a puff player puff player i think i think a lot of people in the community just don't really understand um puff's place in the meta and puff is a character um i don't i feel like they say ridiculous things all the time but um i also disagree with some of the puffs on uh on like the peach matchup for example you know i remember i was in the in the high level puff discord and i remember like some of the puffs were saying that the matchup was like 55 45 and i was just like there's there's no way <laughs> i don't know but yeah i don't know that i'd say those are the biggest things that um are there uh, for why he um was doing worse in the pandemic and i think he also had his focus on ultimate like building his stream up during that time too and it worked out for him yes uh of course objectively agree there Hungerbox is now a top melee slash ultimate streamer on twitch it's it's very obvious it's like it's mango and then it's Hungerbox, more or less in terms of number one and then number two so here, tell me what you think about this take this is something that i was thinking about while you were talking about it like when you play online you can get in your head about how things are going in terms of how the online feels to you it depends on who you're connecting to because within a certain yeah. ping it's probably pretty normal especially if you have good internet they have good internet <laughs> <laughs> and i'm not talking about uh hungry box playing with a bluetooth headset and supposing it had audio <laughs> delay uh but i'm talking about yeah. for for puff when you're weaving in and out there's a point where you have to decide very quickly you have to you have to pivot and say actually i'm going to go in right now i'm going for my big read you have to be looking for it constantly if you're trying to stay just out of range of the other opponent i mean that's the best way to get them frustrated is to be as close as you possibly can but still you can't they can't reach you and that's when they start yeah. to get exasperated and make mistakes and then you can go in when you're looking for those openings maybe with online just like i mean you can get in your own head if you're playing on a crt next to the person who you're playing against you can get in your own head then but i think what hungrybox wasn't used to is online and so even if online is good when rollback came out especially in june of 2020 was still in his head about how to get in versus a uh, uh, like everybody can put in their normal inputs and throw out back airs as Fox and up tilts and uh, up throw up air Marth with the constant fair spamming and nair spamming auto yeah. cancel <laughs> and, and so on and so on. And then here comes Ben with like amazing needle play and chic spacing yeah. and Angerbox is just going, how this is a, I don't, 
like my brain like telling me to go in now isn't really working maybe i should just i'll just go in you know what screw it i'll just go in what do you think about that yeah i think it's definitely um it, he wasn't camping so much and i don't know how well the camping was working um I think uh, what you said was pretty accurate about where he has to make a decision to go for some sort of read. Because I think uh, in general, like Puff is going to lose. Uh, I get, I try to think of everything in Melee as like having an EV value, like an expected value. E EV value, yeah. Expected value. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, you try to keep it as, be as safe as possible with every decision you make while having like, you know, assessing the risk and reward. And I think like Puff is like that to the highest level, like because up close, like Puff's just gonna have so much less options than like say Fox. But once I win the situation, like he's gonna die a lot of the times. Um, so I had to figure out a way to make myself lose those situations the least amount, or at least if I lose them, try to diminish the punish. Uh, the punish uh, that they that they give my character, um, and it, it, I can definitely see like how he kind of got broken with that. Where because I I feel like like I said comparing him at Summit versus him in the online tournaments was com completely different, and I just feel like he wasn't making the same decisions or doing the correct you know like EV like for example you know a lot of high level puffs will try to do the cool thing when they up throw where they'll try to finish the combo instead of going for the rest and in general like that's just not, not good because the amount of times you're going to finish that combo and kill the character without rest is just very unlikely um like there's not many like combo trees that end with that it would take a lot of reads and, and in some ways just it's just not going to be possible so you have to take you have to take the rest yes <laughs> almost every time because yeah, your goal Fox, is to get fox the last stock that's that's like the one time puff has an advantage in the matchup is when it's last stock because one neutral win with puff is going to win the game um so yeah it's it's the game plan with uh, i'm trying to actually go away from this you know and try to see melee as more um more complex um but I do, you know, I have traditionally have thought of Puff's game plan as a lot more uh, direct and simple. Um, like, I think it would be really smart to get in uh, in a lot of ways. But I do think um, there's only so many game plans in neutral, specifically neutral, that um, Puff can have. And I think it's actually a limiting aspect of the character. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's, it's tough. So let's talk about your run at ultra hard. And the way to intro into this is you're running your own business and then they say, Hey, smash world tour. We're going to have a big little video thingy about it. And you go, okay, cool, cool, cool. And unlike a recent video 
being teased by the everybody at VGBC, you know, we had to go back to the lab again for that one. Sorry, Gimmer, I had to do that. All right, anyway, they they came up with the Smash World Tour news. Hey, remember when we were talking about doing the point system for 2020 and then that kind of got like, we're actually going to do that this time. So this is cool. If you go to Ultra Hard in the beginning of April, which is, by the way, like three weeks away, <laughs> uh, you, you can go to your first platinum event for Melee of the year. Woo! The entire community was like, I don't think I could get to Brazil uh, that quickly. Um, but yeah, sure. Why not? And everybody in the Melee Stats Discord is like, who's going to get that free 800 points or whatever, whatever. And as soon as they saw that you, Amita, were entering, everybody was going, oh, Amita's got this. But I'm just curious. <laughs> you saw that video and you go, ultra hard? Ultra hard? Like, what was your reaction to that? Yeah. Um... I just, I have a lot more uh, free time now, and I was just really excited about Smash World Tour because I like traveling, I like meeting people from different cultures, and I I want to go to like a lot of these, especially the Latin American tournaments, not just because I live here now, but just because I love Latin America, um, but also like that Japanese one, I, I, there's like a Japanese Platinum event, I really want to go to that, so in general, mm. I want to travel a lot this this year well um, we'll see <laughs> 1600 points that might be pretty hype sorry but yeah, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself please talk about ultra hard <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i um my my girlfriend and i have been to travel and she's got some uh and uh, like i think her grandfather was from brazil um so she's kind of always wanted to go she's studied brazil um Portuguese for a long time and so I was like yeah do you want to go to this and she said yeah it sounds fun so we flew into Rio and I I always forget like the name of the stat I just call it Jesus statue but I th when it's it's like Christ Christ the Redeemer right <laughs> yeah I think so <laughs> I know which one you're talking <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I told the like some Brazilian like ultimate players that and they were just like it's Christ the Redeemer <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, I'm sorry, but I went to that. That was actually cool because that was better than I expected. Because like a lot of times you go to like a touristy thing and it's like it's like worse than you expected. That was better than I expected. That was really fun. But I just like enjoyed Rio, which was really cool. Like the city that's like got a lot of green in it and you know beach on the side. It's just really unique. I really liked it. And then we took a bus for like seven hours. Um, I didn't get to sleep at all. So I was, I was an uh, ultra hard. It was another tournament. I didn't sleep for like 30 hours when I was doing it. That was, that was tough. Um, but yeah, oh I drove, my gosh. we rode in a bus seven hours. Yeah. Seven hours there. And there was like three tournament setups and there was a 25 man tournament, I believe. And then like all the ultimate players just like going crazy. And there's some, uh, traditional fighting games too. Yes. Um, really cool. Um, I didn't like the, the the city that it was in was I, I there wasn't I couldn't find much to do there. Um so I didn't like it as much as Rio, but the tournament itself was awesome. I loved the people there. Everyone was super nice. Um the energy, like the the energy from like Brazilian players and you know, all the you know, all the other Latin American countries that participated was just really good. Like I I loved it, yeah. Um I I love my experience there. 
talk to me about how bracket went. So you're on, you know, a little bit of a sleep deprivation thing, 30 hours in, and you are on winter side grounds, are you not? Yeah. So there was uh, one person that dropped out that was that I was worried about before, uh, named Rocket, which is like a young league player, and like young league's kind of scary. Yeah. Um, I was gonna play. I was gonna play him. And then there was a uh, Kyosi, I believe is how you pronounce it, is a dock player, which is another like mid tier that's kind of scary for for me and, and Puff. And that's who I ended up having to play first. Um, and then after I I two owed him, and then I and it was the second game was really close. And then um, after him I played, um, um, I believe after that was the best in Brazil, which is. Ison, oh my god, I don't remember. Is because I, I always every time I see, it, I just short, shorten it to Ison, but I, I don't, I don't remember how to pronounce it. I feel bad for that, <laughs> but he's unbelievably good. Um, he took a game off me, that um, on Pokemon, he got he infinite, he infinite me. <laughs> that was because <laughs> it was nor, it was nor, it was vanilla Pokemon Stadium, and I got infinite. It was the first time in two years I played on Pokemon Stadium, and yeah, that was I. I was mad about that, but I mean, it was a two stock. So he, you know, he won the game fair, but it was just, I just remember that specifically from the tournament, like my reintroduction to Pokemon stadium. Oh my God. Um, and then I played finals and grands and that I, I won that six, six. Oh, I played them before on net play. That's what mostly how I've been practicing recently is playing a lot with Chile, which Chile has just got amazing players. They're great community. Love them so much. Um, and I played Riken a few times there, and he uh, um, would take games off me, and you know it was really good. But I feel like Puff is just on another; it's just like a much better character in, in person um, to for testing people's nerves and um, for um, playing neutral. I just feel like I feel I feel so much better in person. You know, sometimes, but. Uh, overall it's pretty good but neutral i feel so much safer in person and i think that really made a big difference versus Riken. so i won six six oh versus him um and he's really good player he's second in um chile the one the one notable thing i'll say about um ultra heart is the best in chile didn't show up and that's chepe he was at smash world tour friend of the program we we he's like my friend yeah He's my practice partner right now, so like we're we're playing all the time. We we're like as as even as it can possibly get. We played one online tournament and he actually beat me. So like if he went to ultra hard, there was a good chance I could have lost. Um, and yeah, Chape is a player I think will be like you interviewed him. Yes. Uh huh. Yeah, I think he's like he's got the work ethic. He's got everything except for you know. You know, it's obviously he lives in South America, so it's difficult to get out to the American events. But I think he's like top 20. I think he could get to top 20 level um, within a year or a year and a half for sure. I think he's got the talent and the work ethic. So as I think that's now, someone to look out for. Um, but yeah. He... Sorry. The Chape as of now is planning on going to Smash Factor 9 and also to double down if as long as that as long as everything lines up for the trip out there so, so that would be super cool and I know that Chape wanted to run for Summit 13 but then was like wait nope never mind just gonna just go pull out real quick 
<laughs> and I know players uh, like that are like either retired or semi-retired or just, you know, I haven't played them yet or they aren't going to events right now currently. Um, like, you know, Dark is a notable one that everybody knows, but um, there's a player named Blassie who, you know, went randomly went to a, an American event and did like super, super well. Like, I don't remember what placing he got or what it was, but he just like did extremely well. Um, and so I haven't played him yet, but I don't know how, how good he would do um, if he had went to ultra hard. I don't know. I, I know Chepe says that he's around his level, so I don't know. It, there's a lot of good players I haven't played yet in, in South America, and I, I'm excited for it. I, this is the most motivated I've been for Melee in years. Yeah, so talk to me about the work ethic that you have. You kind of alluded to it earlier in our conversation. You were saying it's kind of coming, kind of coming in nicely. So please talk to me. What has been lighting the fire for actually saying I could, I could lab this game and I could grind this game. I want to do it. Hey, this is nice. Yeah, I, I feel like uh, there's a few things that are contributing to that. I think one, there's more stepping stones. It's kind of like instead of just being in the United States, right, where it's, like, extremely competitive. And here it's it's competitive, but more – all the best players are, like, more around my level. So it's, like, stepping stones. I'm not far from being able to say I'm the best in all South America, right? So it's, like, it's like me and Chape right now are, like, at that level. And then there's, like I said, the retired players. So it's, like, stepping stones, right? And I think it's just really healthy. And then I'm playing online a lot with um, – you know, people in Peru and, and Chile and Brazil, and especially Chepe has been great for me as far as motivation goes because we're like right at that same level, and um, we, we we talk a lot about the game and, and we're playing a lot, and it's just that's been like the big like probably the biggest factor. It's just I'm I'm playing a lot more online, and so I'm a lot more motivated. Um, and the third thing is I, when I was like, like I said, with my like social anxiety is always scared to like post in like the melee online. I mean, I'm like, I'm in masters, but it's just kind of, I don't know. It's just kind of like a weird thing for me where I don't really ask for friendlies at tournaments either for the same reason. It's just, it's, it's, I'll just sit down and if someone comes out to me, they come up to me. I don't know. It's, it's thing I get over, but that's not as much of a factor here, um, where I feel like. I, I've been welcome, welcomed here by all the people here in, in, in South America, and they're all super nice and just a different context, kind of like just being able to reset. So coming here has just been able to been um, it's a situation where I can just reset, and I love that. Um, yeah, uh, I'd say it's those those are the primary factors. So talk to me about the whole tra the whole traveling thing for you and the fact that you want to go to Japan to go to the Melee, and I forget the name of it too, but the Melee Platinum yeah. event that they have out there. That's going to be super cool to watch because I, I, I really hope to see players like Engen and obviously AMSA, assuming that AMSA is still living. In when is AMSA moving to Canada, by the way? But okay, I'm getting distracted. For you, you have, you have travel plans. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't I don't know if I can make it out there or not. It depends on, you know, how much money I have saved up, but I'd really like it. I really want to go. I think there's one in um Puerto Rico. I, I don't know if it's Puerto Rico, I think so. And I wanted to go to that. They announced one in 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 Cuba, but it was like for ultimate. I was really disappointed because I really wanted to go there. 
Yeah, um, it's an ultimate only tournament. I know the one you're talking about. I was like, ooh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That was my reaction. I was like, oh my God, come on. Because like, it's only been like the last, what, like five years? I don't remember exactly that Americans are like permitted to go into Cuba. Mm. I don't know. Maybe that's misinformation. I don't know. But I, I feel like I've heard that. Like we're, we haven't been able to travel there mm. for you know, only for, you know, a recent, uh, recent time. That's interesting. Um, yeah, I don't know how true that is. <laughs> um, well, plant, I'm plant the melee that. seed, you know, to, to, to take a CRT <laughs> setup and be like, hey, who wants to play melee? If you play Jigglypuff, it's like playing Ultimate. <laughs> it's like if you play Peach, exactly. it's like playing Ultimate. <laughs> <laughs> I I just, yeah, it's, 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 it's just something that, a place that I'd really like to go to. Um, and just having Smash as an excuse to travel is just really cool. And the only thing is I really miss carpools in the U.S., that was one of the best parts of mailing. My best memories definitely come from carpools. So I'll miss that. You know, flying sucks. It's definitely a worse experience than carpools. But, you know, it is what it is. Things change. Well, what about the fact that you get to travel with your girlfriend? I mean, you both go to Japan, right? Yeah, that's super fun. I love that. It's, it's, the only thing is she doesn't have a visa, so we can't go to, like, the American events. And that sucks. Um, but we can go anywhere that she can go with a peruvian passport um mm. and then you know when she gets her visa then we can travel a lot in the u.s and it'll be great yeah you're gonna get a visa in time for the smash world tour finals because you're you mean how could you not go that would be mm. Mm. I, I will definitely be able to go i i'd have to go without her so i'll definitely be able to go but i do hope she has her visa by then you know because it'd be cool to finally bring her because she hasn't even met my family right right um and COVID just made, has made getting a visa so much more difficult. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's annoying. <laughs> Wait, hold on. If she, Okay, so how did, you, how did you two meet? Sorry to take a sidebar, but like I'm thinking now, yeah. like if she's not allowed in the United States and you were living in the United States, but then you were also in Peru, not randomly, but is that how you met when you were originally out there? No. I, so I've always like wanted to kind of move out of the U.S., and like three countries I was like really looking at was Mexico, um, Peru, and Vietnam. And I ended up deciding on Peru and I was going to travel there anyways and maybe even try to live there. And so my big thing is like I'm not too big on uh, like the touristy stuff in countries. Like say like if I go to France, like going to the Eiffel Tower. The like, Jesus it's, statue. It's cool. like, I'll, I'll do <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not like, that's not like, not my thing. I, I'd rather like go hiking or like do some of the stuff that you're not going to see like straight from Googling, you know? And the best way to do that is like finding someone like local who can like show you around. So I, um, I downloaded Tinder. No, and, you didn't. <laughs> and I, oh. yeah. That's how that happened. And she was like on there for like political activism. Um, like there was at, literally the time I was like putting myself uh, out there was when they had some kind of problems with their president and like they had a huge like protest like, um, across the city. And she, she did that. I think she like at one point like threw like a tear gas canister at the police or something. I don't, I don't know what she did. She said she Allegedly. threw something at them. <laughs> Allegedly. Uh, yeah. I don't know. That, 
yeah that's that's crazy but yeah so she, i met her during that and she was like using mm, tinder as a way to get people to vote or something for the person she wanted to be elected um and we matched uh, um we fit each other really well and i was like cool so it was like i was like romantically interested at that point and then i came and visited her in, in may 2021 it, that worked out really well so i lived with her for two months in uh, july uh, uh july august and then now i've been here since december so i love it <laughs> that's really cool that's really cool let's get a visa let's get you both to the smash world tour meet the family all that the smash world tour finals i mean do all that yeah so here's hoping i mean and i i what i love hearing as well is the idea that there are a lot of really good players in south america first of all that is true that is just true okay to not only validate South American players, but I hope that someone like Chape or Pikachu942, Pika942, hope she's listening. Uh, South America's got good melee players, right? But then you have people who, you can build the storyline in your own head really easily where you go, I could be possibly be the best player in the in in south america if i continue to grind and i continue to play and it's easy when chape is hitting you up and saying let's play let's play and you go oh yeah oh yep. yeah and <laughs> you know how good chape is and you say well if i can if i can play even with chape i could probably play even with a lot of like you know the north american based players you know canada the united states the players from japan the players from europe so it's really cool that you can have that storyline for yourself. It's not just for the people that like following all things melee. It's also for the players themselves. I think obviously there's, I'm, I'm sure that Leffen and how he thinks about melee from his own perspective is, is all kinds of interesting. But when I read tweets about how disappointed he is about not being able to have a certain level of practice that he expects and demands, I'm sure it's, in his mind, like he's thinking, I, I wish that there were players that I felt like were at my level, but it's tough when you're top five, literally. <laughs> like, yeah. There's only four exactly. other players that are like you in the world. Uh, but for you, uh, that's not necessarily the problem. Not yet, anyway. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, we have Anita <laughs> tweets in 2023 saying, where are all the good players? Nobody, Nobody's <laughs> as good as me in South America. <laughs> oh, I would never do that. <laughs> I would never do that. Well, uh, one and and hey, uh, is if you're able to do, and this is something that I don't always feel comfortable with either. You know, three plus people in the room, I start to go. Huh, I need a person yeah. to like latch onto, not like in a bad <laughs> yeah, way. Yeah. I just can we like? I'm. We need a buddy system for large crowds. Like, you exactly. got my back. I got your back. This. We gotta we gotta navigate this sea of people. <laughs> uh, but if you're able to master all that, that'd be super cool. So I'm excited to see what happens. And we'll, to 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 finish up, what do you have any final thoughts that you wanted to that you want to speak your piece on? Because you're here. This is this is your show for the episode that, that's a podcast that we're doing now. So I don't want to make it feel like I missed something. Or if you have something on your mind, please share. And that's how we'll start to outro out. Sure. Um, the only thing I was going to add, I guess, was, you know, once my girlfriend gets her visa, I think there's a good chance we'll end up moving out towards NorCal. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, that'd be cool to live out, live out there, but I don't know. We'll see. But yeah, aside from that, I don't have anything on my mind. 
So where can the people find you to follow along on the journey to see all the pictures and the, the, the such and the such? Because, you know, traveling, food, smash, yay! Yeah. I do have an Instagram, I guess. I don't uh, I don't even run it. Like, my girlfriend just posts there, like, for me. Because <laughs> I'm not a big... I'm not a big social media guy. Like I didn't, I didn't have Twitter until 2020. Like after my, after I did good at Genesis, and I was like, okay, whatever, I'll, I'll, I'll do this. Found him. I found Amita. Sure enough. <laughs> yeah. I so I do have I do have that. Um, my Twitter's kind of you know boring, I think. But yeah, it's so Twitter and Instagram. Okay, but at Amita and six four on Twitter, what is it for Instagram? You'll have to send me a link because I did not look at your Instagram. I'm not on it anymore. Yeah, yeah, I think it's the same. I believe it's the same. Very cool. I believe it's Amita sixty four. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. You already have like you already have like a kind of a low key manager for you already. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, she like posts on my uh, like Facebook stories and like Instagram stories. I'm just like, I, I don't care. <laughs> is she comfortable having her name said on the podcast, or does she want to be as low key about that as possible? She can have it. Yeah. Um, no, we just want to. I just want you to give a shout out to her because you know we've 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 talked about her enough. I feel like she deserves a shout out. Yeah, sure. I uh, let me see. I, I get the exact name. Uh, um. Oh, I see what you're saying for your it's, Instagram handle. Uh, no, I was saying, I don't know her name is what I'm saying. I want to give her a shout out and say shout outs to. Oh, her name. Oh, I thought you were saying you wanted to shout out her Twitter or something. I was okay. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, her name is Fiorella. Shout out Fiorella. Way to support Amita. That's super cool. You're awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. No worries. I actually don't even pronounce. I don't think I pronounce her her name like correctly. It's like I, I'm so bad with like certain types of Spanish pronunciation. I just call her Fio because I, I think it sounds cooler too. But like Fiorella, it's like Fiorella. I don't know. I'm horrible with Spanish. So. Shout out to Fio. <laughs> it's minorly horrifying to find out 60 minutes in but you know what that's that's how we'll that's how we'll end this time and i can't <laughs> wait to potentially talk to you in the future especially after a nice little run at smash world tour finals or what have you but otherwise mita thank you so much for joining me on bottom of the smash mountain thank you